0: Hello, America. Welcome to Your Leo Nation. I am the Chief, Mark Garrett. And as you all know, here at uh, Your Leo Nation, we believe in the rule of law, a civil society and self-responsibility. And you know, it's no coincidence that those three tenants uh, are so near and dear to us because they all go hand in hand. And and I I wanna talk uh, to you today just um, about some things that happened recently in my personal life and how they relate to what's going on in the larger society uh, in general. Um, you know, years ago, I was talking to one of my best friends um, and we were, we were seeing the things happening now in, in their early stages. And I told him, I said, Jeff, you know, I, I really believe That the degradation of our society, the unmooring of the principles of our founding fathers, really the attack on the rule of law, it comes down to one word, and that word is standards. Standards, holding people accountable, holding ourselves, individuals accountable. That's the word I really focused on all those years ago, and I really think that, uh, quite frankly, I was right. Um, because we see it in every aspect of our lives, with government, with our schools, which are often one of the same, um, and it's expanding at an enormously fast rate. So let me just talk to you about some things that are going on, and I'm going to kind of tie this together. So hang with me, but it's just very interesting um, how this seems to be Look, I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I, I believe in conspiracies when they're revealed. I believe conspiracies exist, absolutely. But I don't just dive in uh, when someone says, oh, this is a conspiracy, that's a conspiracy. I need evidence. Look, I was a cop for 30 years, so I need to see the facts before I pass judgment. But I will say this, that what we're seeing, I really believe, uh, uh, with the attack on the rule of law, is is a loose conspiracy. In other words, it's a bunch of like-minded people that are coming together, maybe not in a formal sense, but because of the last hundred years of the progressive mindset, this mentality is being just bred into society. And so this is why we're seeing an attack on what used to be the freest the most law abiding and law loving civilization ever conceived by mankind. So let me talk to you, like I said, about um, just something that's happened a couple of weeks ago, really got me thinking. So I'm on the school site council for uh, my son's elementary school. And what that is, it's kind of an oversight uh, committee group made up of parents, teachers, the principal of the school that just look at the budget and programs and policies and things like that. And there's not a whole lot of binding, um, you know, authority that we have, but there is some influence. And I've been on there for uh, almost two years now. And quite frankly, you know, I hear and witness a lot of things that I find, um, well, I don't agree with. Let's put it that way. But I do know that there's a time and place um, to make your positions known. And there's a time just to sit back and watch. So having said that, a couple of weeks with one of our online meetings, of course, everything's virtual now. One of the uh, one of the administrators in the call mentioned that um, uh, the following week they'd be bringing in a, somebody from a university, a professor, to talk to the teachers on one of their training days, you know where the schools closed down, of course, um, about restorative justice, restorative justice. and when I heard that, my blood began to boil. Now, if you're not familiar with restorative justice, don't feel bad. Uh, Most people aren't, or the term restorative justice, most people are not familiar with it. You may be more familiar with it now than you were, let's say, five years ago. I've been aware of this uh, for a while. Maybe the last decade or so is when it really started gaining momentum. My first effective practical experience with it was Uh, Just a few years ago, when I was still a chief for the California Highway Patrol, I sat on a promotional panel for another large agency for uh, lieutenants uh, uh, trying to to promote to captain. And the concept and the implementation of restorative justice was one of the topics that the candidates had to discuss and explained to us how they were going to implement. And when I saw this on the examination material, I was disgusted. I was absolutely disgusted. Because restorative justice is talking about, in short, how we move away from the punitive side of, of law enforcement, of, of really any standards. How we move more towards working with the individual, to find out how they got to where they are, how we can help them become a better person, um, what circumstances forced them into this either illegal or otherwise inappropriate behavior. Rather than looking at what the standards are, what the rules are, what the law is, and hold them accountable equally without any consideration for race, or economic background, or ethnicity, or anything else. Just hold them objectively accountable for the transgression, whether it's administrative transgression or a legal trans- transgression, hold them accountable. And so when I saw this in law enforcement and, and being part of, quite frankly, the indoctrination of, of management in a very large uh, law enforcement agency, I was discussed it. So, when I heard that my son's elementary school was bringing in a professor from a very well-say, it's Loyola Marymount University in Southern California to come into this elementary school, in my opinion, indoctrinate these teachers uh, with the concept of restorative justice as it applies to their kids and their school. So, these are rowdy kids, these are disruptive kids, potentially. instead of holding them accountable suspending them or whatever other sanction that you and i may have experienced when we were in elementary school they want to work with these kids to find out what the compromise is what's a solution where we can all get along and we can all work together regardless of what you did so when i heard this i immediately called for a meeting with the principal. And to her credit, we met about a week later. I discussed this with her. And by the way, we talked for 90 minutes in her office. And I can tell you right now, this is a bright spot actually. We clearly don't agree on a lot of um, fundamental uh, philosophies, but it was a very amicable conversation and she appreciated where I was coming from. But she made every effort to uh, reassure me that her hands are tied, uh, that this is coming from a district, um, that kids who actually engage in violent behavior are not going to be subjected to any um, remedies through restorative justice and so forth and so on. All that may be true, I don't know, but the fact that they're actually introducing this concept is a dangerous concept. Because it's the rule of law, it's immediate, objective, fair punishment that will keep children on the right path for the most part, and that will translate into adulthood and help keep adults on the right path. And this is where I'm going with this. This is starting 100 years ago. This is starting at in our elementary schools, in our private schools. If you've got your kid in private school. Do not be bamboozled. Do not think that because they're in a private school, that everything's hunky-dory and they're not learning this crap. I'm not saying every every school, I'm not saying every private school, but I'm saying that this mentality is pervasive and it's been growing. It's has it's been planted and fertilized over the last hundred plus years. And what we're seeing right now is it coming to fruition. This crop that was planted, and I won't get into all the history, but I'm telling you right now, this was planted back at the, the, the turn of the last century and a little before with the progressive mentality. And this has always been an attack on individual liberty, the rule of law, and a civil society. I chose those tenets uh, on purpose because this is the foundation to, to a free, productive society. And when you attack law enforcement, when you attack the rule of law, when you attack those who enforce the rule of law, you are ultimately attacking individual liberty, period, plain and simple. You know, the rule of law, of course, is supposed to be blind. That's when you see the symbol there of law that the gal in the middle there has a blindfold on, that statue. Because law is not supposed to see anything other than your behavior. Now, of course, there there are exceptions to that. We all know that, that a good judge can look at Mitigating circumstances regarding someone's decision making, their behavior, and they can pass judgment accordingly. I get that. But generally speaking, law, justice is blind. Now, speaking about that, going back to restorative justice, whenever you see an adjective in front of the word justice, realize that. Something is up. Someone, some group, has an agenda. When you hear restorative justice, when you hear racial justice, when you hear, how about this one, climate justice. How about this one, highway justice. People claiming that highways and bridges are racist. When you hear, these are all real terms that groups Individuals use to promote their agenda. Justice is justice. You don't need to put an adjective in front of it. Either either the law is racist or it's not. If the law is racist, it's injustice. It doesn't care, it doesn't matter what the injustice is. Justice is justice. I'm telling you, folks, when you hear this stuff, when you hear an elected official, when you hear a bureaucrat, when you hear a school administrator. Putting adjectives in the word in front of the word justice, you should realize that these people, that these groups, that these unions have an agenda. And that agenda is to usurp your personal liberty. It's to usurp your authority over your children. It is to disintegrate the rule of law. It is to Obtain more power over your daily lives. So, I go back, and I just start doing some research after that meeting. And there were things that I knew, but look, I wanted to take some good notes for all of you listening. And I wanted to put things down in a fairly... (laughs) <laughs> fairly coordinated uh, logical way um for those of you who know me personally maybe listen to the show i have a tend, a tend- tendency to kind of go uh, all over the place of stuff because there's there's so much out there going on right now but i want to give you some concrete examples about how the attack on standards and getting away from from justice being blind and objective and fair let me give you a couple very, very stark examples about how the rule of law is being usurped and how evil the people behind its behavior is, their intentions are. Now, I know a lot of you um, know the term, or most of you know the term, Amber Alert. I'm taking a little drink of water here. Amber Alert. Now, the Amber Alert started... In 1996 I remember you know I was on patrol back then for the highway patrol and Amber Alert was named after uh, um, a little girl um, Amber Hagerman she was abducted and murdered in 1996 and there were a lot of alerts uh, in the respective states at the time with with different names that were related to uh, similar circumstances But fast forward, uh, Amber Alert became the accepted standard across the nation. And the purpose, of course, was to utilize um, citizens And and when it was started primarily, and still I think primarily, but certainly back then primarily with truckers because truckers have a very, very robust um, communications network with CB radios and uh, tracking GPS like this. But now, obviously, with cell phones and things like that, it's become ubiquitous for everybody to chime in and to help uh, track down abducted children. And by the way, just so you know, and this plays into what I'm going to talk about here in a minute. It goes up to children up to the age of uh, uh, for children up to the age of 17 years old, 17. Um, So here in California, we're. I'm unfortunately broadcasting from because the state's going to hell in a handbasket, to use an old time phrase. There is a gentleman, I use that word in quotes because I've talked about this maniac uh, in our state Senate before. I'm going to talk about him today. This guy, Stephen Bradford, state senator, who I know and I've had a deal with on a personal level when I was in law enforcement, he is proposing. He is proposing something called, I'm not making this up, the ebony, no ebony, ebony as an ebony and ivory, I can't sing, ebony, black, ebony alert. Now, I'm going to read some stuff from the article so you know I'm not making this up, but Stephen Bradford, this is the same nut who introduced uh, Senate Bill 1273 that would not require... School administrators, school officials, school employees to look, to notify law enforcement for most violent acts committed by students in a school. Right now, actually, I'm not sure if that law uh, that that bill went into law, but he proposed it. And right now, I believe it still requires that administrators call 911, call law enforcement when students uh, commit certain, well, commit any violent act, any criminal act. Well, he's trying to get rid of that. So school administrators don't have to call law enforcement when their criminal students commit criminal acts. Now he wants to introduce the ebony ebony alert that would be specific to tracking down black, black children and not just children when they go missing. So let me read this. California state senator is floating a bill to address the lack of attention uh, given to black children and young women who go missing in the state. Black children are disproportionately classified as runaways in comparison to their white counterparts who are classified as missing, and therefore, many black children do not receive the Amber Alert. According to the Black and Missing Foundation, 40% of sex trafficking victims are black women. Now, let me stop right there. This is how insidious, this is how dangerous and mis- You talk about misinformation, oh my God, this is how misleading these people are in their attempt to undermine, undermine a civil society in their attempt to bring racism back in the biggest possible way they can since the Civil War and Reconstruction and Jim Crow. This is what they're trying to do. Listen, to this. first of all, can you imagine, listen to this, it says that black kids are not provided service by the Amber Alert like white kids are. I don't know if that's true or not. I highly doubt it. But what they're insinuating here is that if a black child goes missing, I guess the white cop won't. Won't come take a report from you? If you say my child's missing? Oh, ma'am, sir, are you black? Well, we're not going to respond. We're only going to respond if your kid is white. And are they saying that a law enforcement agency wouldn't issue, by the way, here in the state of California, all Amber Alerts are issued by the California Highway Patrol, just by coincidence, talking to the former chief. But that the CHP won't issue an Amber Alert if your child is black? This is insanity. This is a lie, and this is an attempt to divide people, absolutely divide people. The other part about this is talking about 40% of sex trafficking victims are Black. Look, that may or may not be true. I don't know that step, but if it is true, what in the hell does that have to do with missing children? Can someone tell me that, what in the hell does that have to do with missing children if 40% of sex trafficking victims are black women, not even children, black women? And by the way, why would 40% of sex trafficking victims uh, sex trafficking victims be black women? Why is that if it's true? I, that's a whole different encyclopedia. But someone explain to me how that happens. What do black women, black adult women make up what? I don't know. Just a few percent of the population. Blacks are only 13 percent of the population. Cut that in half. Six, seven percent of the population are females, go to adult uh, black women. I mean, how small the percentage? And 40 percent of sex trafficking victims are black. I'm suspicious of that statistic. I'll leave it at that because I want to move on. So to combat these statistics, Senator Stephen Bradford, Democrat Gardena, introduced state bill or s b six seventy three which would authorize law enforcement agencies to request that an ebony alert be activated in cases of missing black child or women that by the way, I'm reading from the article that it has is full of typos. I don't know what child worth this, but they ought to put out a literature alert anyway be activated in cases of missing uh, black children or women between the ages of 12 and 25. The bill would encourage news organizations and social media outlets to cooperate with disseminating the same information. When activated, the proposed system similar to amber or silver, uh, silver alerts would inform people on billboards by text and phone of missing black children or young women. By the way, this is not similar to amber or silver. Silver alerts are uh, for when elderly people go missing. But it's not similar because this is racist. It's focusing on your skin color and not the circumstances by which you go missing as a child, go abducted. And I could go on and on and on with this. I'm not going to bore you with the rest of this extremely poorly written article. I just want you to know that when I bring these things to you, I'm not making them up. I couldn't make them up. I couldn't have I couldn't have come up with a parody this absurd. But Stephen Bradford here in California did because he lives in a world of absurdity of racist policies and he's not the only one. We are smothered in this state and, quite frankly, around the country with people who have agendas other than ensuring individual liberty and individual responsibility that go hand in hand. So, in that vein, I like to talk about one other. Disgusting individual and this goes back to standards and objectivity and the rule of law being blind. I want to talk about not the ultimate expression of this attack on our values and standards, but certainly right up there, and it's part of the ultimate goal, a big part of it, and that's George Soros. And what he's doing to the legal system across this country. I have an article here from January 22nd of of 23 by Matt Palumbo of the New York Post. George Soros spent $40 million getting lefty district attorneys and officials elected all over the country. And I'll I'll just leave you with that headline and I'm going to cut right to the chase with some examples. Because most of you know about George Soros, but let me tell you about how devastating his influence on our legal system and the devastation of this man has caused countless families and countless communities across this country. So let me go to this article in the part that's titled Catalog of Catastrophe. I think it's a great title here. While putting together a truly comprehensive best of the worst, Soros prosecutors' list could fill several volumes. Here are just some highlights. Ten days after taking office, Portland DA Mike Schmidt backed with $320,000 from Soros announced that he'd refused to prosecute rioters in the summer of 2020 and instead defended them even though rioting is a felony he doesn't prosecute those cases he also refuses to prosecute individuals for interfering with peace officers with a peace officer I'm sorry disorderly conduct in the second degree Criminal trespass in the first or second degree, escape in the third degree, and harassment and riot when it isn't accompanied by a separate charge. I don't know what to say beyond reading the facts, folks. I'm just bringing the facts. If this guy won't prosecute this, what will he prosecute? Well, I'm gonna give you an example of what some of these some of these terrible terrible quote-unquote prosecutors do, but I'm gonna continue with this uh catalog of catastrophe. Philadelphia's Larry Krasner, backed with nearly 1.5 million from Soros, dropped charges on more than 60% of shooting cases and 37% of illegal firearms cases in the two years after taking office in 2018. Not coincidentally, shootings and homicides have spiked since then. In 2020, Philadelphia prosecuted the lowest number of felony cases in 30 years. Even though the city saw 499 homicides, more than New York has with five times the population. For reference, there were 351 homicides the year he took office. The city saw a record 562 homicides in 2021, and a slight decline in 516 in 2022. Still much higher than when he took office. Now we're getting close to home, and I mean that Geographically, from my point of view, Soros spent two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in California back in Contra Costa County, D.A. Diana Diana Becton, who was selected by a board of supervisors to serve the rest of the term of her predecessor, who was convicted of felony perjury. Part of the selection process to fill the vacancy, by the way, I mean, does it get any better than this? This loser, who I'm going to keep reading about here in a minute, replaced somebody who was prosecuting people while he was committing felony perjury. I, it, this is a state, this is a state of chaos that we're in right now. And we all need to be aware of it. So let me continue. So part of the selection process to fill the vacancy included a questionnaire in which Becton repeatedly plagiarized responses including Martin Luther King Jr. quotes she somehow though wouldn't get recognized thought wouldn't get recognized. Three of five members of the board selected her anyway and she later won a DA race in 2018. Who are the people voting for these monsters? Look her predecessor got charged with perjury, and now she's plagiarizing during her selection process, and people vote her into office. Becton had never served as a prosecutor before. Among the crimes that Becton won't prosecute, graffiti, unless the graffiti offends her political sensibilities. After a couple allegedly painted over a Black Lives Matter mural, she filed three misdemeanor charges against them, including violation of civil rights, in a hate crime, vandalism, and possession of tools to commit vandalism. And this author's exactly right. She won't prosecute graffiti unless it's politically incorrect, unless it offends her as a prosecutor, using her office to promote her personal agenda. And this is exactly what's happening with all of these DAs. Finally, Soros backed uh, Aramis Ayala to become Orlando's state attorney for the 9th Judicial District Court of Florida. Donating $1.4 million in lieu of actual consequences, Ayala has sought to punish criminals like kindergartners by giving them an adult timeout and having their charges dropped in exchange for watching an educational video about resisting crimes and the dangers associated with breaking the law. Oh my God, this sounds, this sounds draconian. This guy is, he's a tyrant, the way he's treating these criminals. Ironically, that very exercise teaches them that they aren't, there aren't, Many dangers associated with breaking the law. This last sentence sums up so well what I started with, what I went to about standards and about restorative justice, folks. We went from me talking about standards 20 years ago, rolling into restorative justice indoctrination at my my son's school, and... Fast-forwarding to hardened criminals being allowed to go through restorative justice justice processes instead of being incarcerated and punished like they should be. This is a process. It is a loose conspiracy of like-minded American values haters. This is your Leo nation for a reason. Law enforcement. The O, the officer, is terribly infor- important because they enforce the laws, but the core is law enforcement. Starting with yourself. I said it before. You should always be your own first responder. In other words, You do the right thing first. Don't commit crimes. Don't be a part of the problem. Raise your kids the right way. Yes, indoctrinate them with self-responsibility values. Have them look at themselves first. Look at yourself first. If you teach your children that their skin color, their economic status their ancestry, their religious affiliation, their political affiliation, their geographic uh, location. If you teach them that any of these factors play a role in their outcome in life, you are doing them a disservice. And if you allow it, you are doing them a disservice. Each of us must take some level of action. Look, I'm doing what I can. I've started this podcast. I want to get the word out. I want to encourage people to act. I give to a number of organizations who are fighting the good fight. If you listen to this podcast and you hey, that was great, that was so-so, whatever it was, and you turn it off and you keep driving to work or whatever it is and you do nothing, I got to be honest with you. I got to be totally blunt. You're part of the problem. You can't sit back and do nothing. You go meet, meet with your kid's principal. You get on school site council. See, I wouldn't have heard this. I wouldn't have known this crap was taking part. I certainly know other stuff, but I would not have known about this because... They didn't tell the general public. They told those of us on school site council about this restorative justice. What they didn't know is that they had an old guy on there who's been through this crap in the real world. And I told that principal this, that you know what, ma'am? I've seen the results of engaging in restorative justice practices. And going down that road and trying to coddle unacceptable, irresponsible, illegal, dangerous, felonious behavior. See, I've seen the results. I've seen these people handcuffed and back on the street before my officers can finish booking their asses. See, I've seen this. You haven't, ma'am. And if our teachers are being indoctrinated in turn to indoctrinate our children with this, you are doing my son and all these kids a disservice because they are going to have these seeds planted in their mind and they are going to be headed down the wrong road. And I'm 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 grateful for my wife and quite frankly myself, you know, that God gave me the ability to think for myself and to teach our kid differently and I've talked to him about restorative justice and how it's a crock of crap (laughs) but you have to fight back so I'm going to end with this if anything I've said makes sense if you support the men and women of law enforcement damn it, do something This is a call to action. You have to be involved with your schools. You have to be involved with your community. You have to support like-minded causes who believe in the rule of law, who support the rule of law. This guy, Gascone is an agenda-driven monster like these other George Soros DAs and administrators across the country. We have George Gascone right now who is prosecuting every possible officer in this county he can he can come up with? He's going back many years into old cases that were that were declined to be filed by the previous DA, Jackie Lacey, and he is digging these things up, and he is finding anything he can to hang his legal hat on and to make the lives miserable for these officers who previously um, cases were reviewed. And it was determined there was no cause to indict them. Well, he's taken the opposite approach. Everything we do, every decision we make, folks, has a consequence. And I'm telling you right now, there are very few actions that you can take that have more consequence than inaction. By sitting back and watching this train go down the track and derail. Do something do something, get involved, and know who you're voting for and why you're voting for them, please, I am imploring you to take some action. So speaking of taking action, as always, if you got five bucks, if you got 5,000, go to uh, Your Leo Project. Your Leo Project is our foundation. We've supported a uh, number of families of fallen officers and we depend on uh, benefactors like you to uh, help us continue to do that. So with that, God bless you. Keep fighting the good fight. God bless America. God bless each, other, uh, each and every one of you. And uh, we will talk next time. Bye-bye.